Hello everyone, welcome to the Wire Bank Sucks Podcast. My name is James, the Notorious Banker, and I'm here to tell you why your bank does in fact suck very much. 2,210 amazing followers at Bank Better Guy. Thank you so very much for that. I really do appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. Um, lost a couple of followers today, net loss of a couple of followers today. Um, that's pretty par for the course for holiday days, by the way. Happy Easter to those of you who celebrated it. I think it just, you know, people just get on their phone a little bit more, and then they just start to see Easter, 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 or Christmas, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, and then they see a lot of my stuff, and they go, um, well, I can't get rid of Christmas or Easter, but I can get rid of Bank Better Guy. And that's perfectly fine. I totally understand that. I think a lot of the work that I do is very... Um, it's high maintenance stuff. It can really stress you out. But I'm really glad and happy to do that. You know, over six hundred thousand dollars plus um, saved with my notorious banker, uh, vigilante customer service, and I'm really you know happy to do that for my followers. But I also know that when my job is done, you know, having that friendship is going to be there. That doesn't necessarily mean hey, you're going to be on my followers page. Yes, there will be a day when I have 22,000 followers, and that day will come very soon, believe me, with all the things that I got working, you know. But it's like when I used to tell um, my wife, then she was my girlfriend, I said, hey, you know what? It doesn't mean anything if someone is just a follower of yours on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, if they don't actually interact with you. It's just a token follow. So to those of you, the 2,200 plus of you that have stuck it out with Bank Better Guy and through my previous moniker, Bank Screwed Us, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. You know, On days like today, I'm really reflective of the friends, of the followers, of the people who believe in me, and thank you for being one of those. Wanted to do this podcast in anticipation of the wonderful stimulus checks that are coming um, supposedly this week. Um, $1,200 is being direct deposited for most of you into your bank accounts as part of the coronavirus pandemic relief program. Direct payments were made on authorization by Congress and President Trump to give you $1,200 to kind of to kind of keep you afloat. And I understand for a lot of you who live like in a Denver or Boston or New York City, 1200 bucks is in jack you-know-what. In New Mexico, it's everything to me. $1,200 is a month and a half of living. It's paying my mortgage. It's paying my electric bill. My electric bill is only $40, by the way. Paying you know my cell phone bill to allow me to talk to you on Twitter. You know, it's it's paying these little things to allow me to survive, to continue the progress I have in helping you bank better and helping you fight back against big banks. So I look at this $1,200 as a godsend. And you know what? Unfortunately, there's probably going to be another one of these stimuluses sometime in the next couple of months. So just be on the lookout for that. Um, to those of you who don't need the money, I mean, make a nice donation. But treat yourself as well. You know, if you've done a good job at saving your money, by all means, look at this as a time to reflect and say, hey, where are we going to be at? Could we use this money? If not, let's put it to good use around the house or for the kids' college fund or something like that. Today's podcast is just going to be kind of in honor of that. So in the next segment, I'll be talking a little bit more about the stimulus checks and what I've seen go on the last few weeks. You know, politics aside, it's been a really weird couple of weeks with all these things coming from the government and all the conversations and all the funny memes with um, the direct payments, the stimulus checks. $1,200, like I said, is not a lot of money for most people, but it's a... It's a lot of conversation on Twitter, and I got to tell you, a lot of the stimulus memes, stimulus posts that I have done have gotten record numbers, so I know people are talking about it, people are thinking about it. And I did want to mention in the second segment, um, 
I had an amazing Vigilante customer service weekend. We had uh, an amazing uh, follower of that Bank Better guy, Jennifer, who got back close to $2,000 from Bank of America with the assistance of yours truly um, on some fraudulent Uber charges. I'm going to talk to you about what Bank of America said to her, and I'm going to tell you um, what to look out for whenever you're going to file a claim with Bank of America because they have some really, really freaking horrible people at the Fraud and Claims Department. That's if you can get through with them, by the way. It's like a five-hour hold this week. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that, but mainly the stimulus stuff. So after this brief promotional considerations, I'll be right back to tell you about um, that $1,200 gift from the government that you'll be getting, so please stick around. All right, guys, we are back. So as you know, it is stimulus check week here in America, one month into being quarantined, practicing social distancing, and the economy shut down. Um, The federal government is paying us $1,200 for every qualifying person. Anytime you say qualifying person, you know some people are going to get screwed, of course. Um, because of the coronavirus or COVID-19 pandemic, it seems like the cool people try to say COVID-19, but you you know what we mean. What's going on in the world right now, what's going on in our country means that $1,200 checks are getting out there just to make people survive. And, you know, the humor of the, the stimulus check memes that are out there on social media, they make me laugh. You know, people are creative whenever times are down. Humor is all we got sometimes. But I do know that there's a lot of people out there hurting. They're going to need to make a mortgage payment. They're going to need to make strategic decisions, you know. Whenever you hear stories of, I'm, I'm sure you've, you know, heard this kind of, you know, story from someone You know, an older person has to make a decision whether they're going to eat for the week or get their prescriptions. That's real life shit, people. Excuse my language, but that's real life. I worked in a banking center where um, there were a lot of old people. And there's a lot of people who made not even the full amount of Social Security, $400 a month. And they literally had to decide, crap, my heart medication is $400 a month. So how much can I overdraft my account, James? I mean, I would come home crying because there are some people who just didn't set themselves up for success. I got to admit, I am one of those people who is not tracking well to be um, successful in my older years. So I'm kind of worried. But, you know, $1,200 goes a long way to keep me afloat for now. So $1,200 is going to be thankfully received by yours truly, you know, hopefully this week. And what am I going to do with it? I'm going to pay bills. I'm going to pay the phone bill. I'm going to pay the electric bill. You know, the the utility bills, all the things that you have to do in life, I'm going to pay um, because I need to. I need to be that person, that responsible person. I've been lucky. I've been unemployed for about 19 months now. My wife has been really supportive with this podcast and my project. She knows the good work that I do, so she believes in me. But belief means not a damn thing when you can't pay the bills. And I have not missed one bill payment for any major bills yet. Thank goodness for that. So $1,200 is coming, and, you know, it was interesting because we're on this holiday weekend where everyone's at home, I mean, literally, because even if you're working outside, likely you're going to be, you know, stuck at home with your family regardless. And um, the IRS um, put out a tweet saying that they started sending the first wave of stimulus checks. And this was yesterday. This was on a Saturday. And this really ticked me off, guys, because, first of all, they sent it on a Saturday, And yes, banks are open on a Saturday. So all of a sudden, it's the equivalent of the checks in the mail. You know, that whole thing, you know, that whole joke from back in the day. And say, oh, the checks in the mail. Yeah, can you give me whatever I want? 
this is really happening. The government did this, and it really ticked me off so much so that I've actually dedicated several tweets this weekend to trying to calm down people. Because I know what happens is, as of this Saturday news, that all of a sudden, all of a sudden, people are like, screw the bank, what the hell's going on? And yes, this podcast is called Wire Bank Sucks, but I am going to defend banks tooth and nail to this. The fact that the tweet came out Saturday morning, the fact that there were news stories about it like immediately after really pissed me off because what that means is people are going to log into their online banking. They're going to see that they're broke. They're going to go to a branch and they're going to yell at a manager. They're going to yell at a teller saying, where's my check at? They said that they sent it out and you guys are slow. You guys suck. Yes, big banks are slow. Big banks suck. That's why I do this podcast. But whenever you're yelling at them for exactly the wrong reasons, you actually do yourself and you do everyone else a disservice. So let me be the first to tell you that um, they weren't in on Saturday and they weren't in today. And there's a very good possibility that they will not be in there Monday morning. So if they're not in there, do not yell at the bankers. Do not call customer service and clog up the lines and yell and say, hey, where's my money? They're not going to put it in because they don't have it yet. I have always used the analogy, and I used it on Twitter um, earlier um, today. You know, banks are just catchers. You know, the the government's pitchers. They throw the ball, and the banks are just there to catch it. They do not put holds on direct deposits. Hell, that's why direct deposits are there. You know, direct deposits can be pending, and then they post. There's no holds on it. I have not never heard of a bank say... Yeah, we got this direct deposit. We're going to hold it for 10 days because we don't know where it came from. No, that's the whole point. That's the whole system that they want to create and build around to make things people-less, if you will. So be really careful how you kind of project your anger. But I understand totally because I was angry just more at the government kind of passing blame. Now, we have this at Bank of America and Wells Fargo. I hear this all the time where... Um, they'll have their customer service or, you know, at B of A help or at Ask Wells Fargo say, oh yeah, we'll give you a call at 7.55 Eastern time, knowing damn well that 8 o'clock is the last time they stop, They you know, they make calls for the last time and they go home for the day. Whenever you, you hold someone up to that time limit, they go, oh, you, you know, we closed that 8 and things just got a little crazy. We do apologize. I, I've heard that 7.55 or 10 minutes to 8 thing a thousand times since I've been doing this project. So the government doing that yesterday, you know, yesterday being Saturday as of this podcast, I was really upset about it because they basically just kind of threw banks under the bus saying, um, yeah, we sent the checks. Yeah, they should be there. And everyone's looking at their accounts saying, what the hell, Bank of America? What the hell, Wells Fargo? And it's really ticked me off. I'm just going to read the, a brief article from CNN here. The Internal Revenue Service sent out the first wave of stimulus checks to Americans on Saturday, the agency said. Quote, hashtag IRS, I like how they hashtag themselves, <laughs> deposited the first economic economic impact payments into taxpayers' bank accounts today. We know how many people are anxious to get their payments. We'll continue issuing them as fast as we can, the IRS wrote Saturday evening on Twitter. Deposits will continue in the days ahead, starting with people who have filed tax returns for 2018 or 19 and authorized direct deposits. Others, including people who haven't filed returns, authorized direct deposits, or received Social Security, will probably have to wait weeks or months before seeing their money. The distributions are part of the 2.2 economic relief package passed by Congress in March. And then it talks about individuals due to up to $1,200 and couples receive $2,400 plus $500 per child. And... Um, the weeks and months thing is interesting because I understand that they have to say that. 
you know, there's times where things do take longer. That's why since the 80s, whenever you would buy something over the, you know, over the phone on TV, you know, the Ron Popeil food dehydrator, let's say, can take four to ten weeks for delivery. Sometimes it takes four, sometimes it takes ten. The whole point of an estimate is that. An estimate, it can be here, it can be there. It's guidelines for what's going to happen. So whenever someone says direct deposit means instant, no, it doesn't. It just means quicker. It means that the track to you gets there quicker. And it's ironic that I'm defending the direct deposit of these checks and and the way the banks are, are being thrown under the bus right away saying, hey, uh, why aren't these checks there faster? Banks don't do anything. Banks are eager for you to get your money. That way you can go in. That way they can talk to you about your money. That way they can cross-sell you. So it's not it's not a, hey, they're holding the money back from you. No, they haven't got it yet. They gladly would. Now, granted, they probably don't want you to get it out cash, and they don't want everyone to get it out cash because they're going to run out of money inside the branches. But at least they have the opportunity to say, hey, you know what? Let's have a conversation about your finances while you're here in, the, in these troubling times. I know it's kind of weird to defend that, but I understand the bank's perspective for that. The weeks or months thing is just to kind of scare people the way that I used to scare people at Bank of America. Whenever they would say, well, you know, direct deposit, it comes in instantly. You don't even have to come into the bank. Once you get your check, you can go to the ATM in the morning, get your money out for the weekend. And you never have to see me. And then, you know, with checks, you know, the check can get lost, the check can get torn, and we may not accept it. You know, they may have a misprint on the check, they may put a stop payment on it. There's all these scary things that we used to have to do in order to convince people that, hey, direct deposit is the way. So I understand the whole, hey, it could take weeks or months, it's covering your ass is what it is. And the government is doing that, it's understandable. And to the people who... um don't get direct deposit. Well, I want to have a check in my hand and all that. It's very rare. I mean, most people would get direct deposit now, but there are some people who want the check. Don't you know? In the future, don't do it. I used to have people who would walk in with tax refund checks, whether they be from the government or whether they'd be from like an H and R Block or Jackson Hewitt type, and they'd come to open an account. And I, I say the first things first. Thank you so much for opening an account with me, but let me show you how to do this better next year because I know I may not see you again. So uh, I would print out an extra direct deposit form. I say I wrote tax on it. I said this one's for your taxes next year. So whenever your time, whenever it's time to get your taxes again, just take this to them. That way they know what to do with it. That way you get your money faster. That way you don't have to worry about this weird hold that we're gonna have to put on this check. And I had to put holds on those checks, and I would fight like hell to get some of them released, but. You know, a lot of the times they were from banks that were way out of state, and there is a lot of fraud with that. So I would fight like hell for the people who would have the government checks that would be held. And yes, banks do hold government checks. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. It does happen from time to time. So, you know, with all these checks coming in, I, I understand it's going to be kind of a cluster. You know, people are going to get this money. Some people on Twitter have told me, and I've had a lot of people on Twitter in the last couple of days kind of just tell me, hey, they're going to blow it because a lot of people are financially well off. And I say, hey, good for you guys. But, you know, it's going to be one of those things where, you know, debit card usage is going to be important. That way it protects yourself. It's going to be... Um, don't carry around cash. Don't, you know, don't do the, the the mistakes that a lot of people do. You know, if you want to go shopping, go online shopping. Don't go to Walmart with your check money and just go wait. You know, kind of map it out. You know, Notorious Banker, my other podcast, is more about financial advice in that sense. But when you get your direct deposit and if you have online banking, 
you know, you see your check going in there, you go, cool, and then just move on with your day. You just have $1,200 more to kind of deal with the next steps of your day, week, and month. So I want people to realize that I'm all for this economic stimulus because I know that we're going to need it, and we're probably going to get another one in a couple of months. So I want you to just be aware and say, hey, you know what, this check is going to come in. What am I going to do with it? And just realize that going forward, you know, direct deposit is the way because these horror stories that are being put out there in the media, and I hate sounding like one of those people who blames the media for it because they have to they have to report it in the sense that you know the government is is talking about it with weeks or months. Don't be one of those few that gets left behind for up to twenty weeks, which does happen, guys. Whenever checks get um, sent by mail, especially during a heavy tax time period, I've seen that happen. So. Um, you know, going forward, let this be a lesson learned, saying, hey, the best, the best way to get your money from the government is electronically. And they've pushed people in Social Security and Disability into getting direct deposits. I have opened up thousands of those accounts over the years. So I know that's just the best way to communicate with them. Think of the government as a big bank. It's like, hey, you know, the you know the bigger the company, the more the bureaucracy. Well, the government's obviously bigger than Bank of America, although not by much. Um, so you know that if something happens, you just can't call up, hey, IRS, where's my $1,200? No, it's not going to be that easy because everyone in America is getting it for the most part. Yes, I understand some people that are college age, 17 to 22, um, some people who make more than $100,000 aren't going to get it. But frankly, I will be blunt with you. If you make $100,000, even if you live in a really, really rich part of the country, um, you should be able to navigate your way, um through things you shouldn't put yourself overextended anyway this is not me you know being like big brother to you i'm just saying even if you have a three thousand dollar a month rent payment you know for an apartment in boston and you make a hundred thousand dollars three thousand is thirty six thousand dollars a year you have sixty four thousand give or take learn how to budget learn how to manage don't drink so much don't smoke <laughs> and and learn how to manage your money a little bit better you know, I'm doing my taxes now, and I'm freaked out by how little money I made last year. But I never suffered. It sucked at times. It really sucked. But I never suffered because I learned how to budget and manage. And this is the wake-up call that we all need in order to get this, um, get through this. Yeah, spending, you know, spending more time at home doesn't necessarily mean spending less money. There's people who are eating out every freaking day, for God's sakes. I can't believe that. Learn how to cook, guys. That's all I got to say. Um... But it's it's a good thing. I'm really happy that these checks are coming. Although social media is a buzz about, hey, where the hell is my check? And it leads to some hilarious memes. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoy those. But I, I think I think a lot of people aren't really understanding of the process. You know, whenever someone says, hey, the government's giving me money, and they go, oh, what's the catch? I mean, I understand whenever you think like that, saying what's the catch, but... You know, this is the government just trying to keep you afloat. The whole point of stimulus is the same way, you know, that whenever you're paralyzed, they're checking for filling in your feet just to make sure that, hey, if we stimulate this, maybe something will happen. And guess what's happening? Money's going into the economy. Maybe something will happen. Maybe people will feel more confident about their financial situations and buy a dinner at a restaurant or, you know, buy that TV or pay those bills or pay down credit card debt. I mean, that's supposed to stimulate good things, you know. What do you do whenever you're um, experiencing kind of like a bush or a tree 
that's not really growing the way that it should. You start trimming some branches. You start kind of curtailing some of the excess and it may grow better. It may grow faster. And that's what they're doing. They're saying, hey, we're going to throw a lot of money at this problem in the hopes in the hopes that the, the economy will recover. I think it'll be okay down the road. I'm talking years down the road. It's going to be a rough time for the next several months now, guys. So hold on tight. Um, take the opportunity to not complain about your stimulus check. And don't, like I said, do not yell at bankers. Do not yell at bank managers. Bank tellers especially, my God. The janitor has as much to do with your direct deposit not being in there as the bank manager of a branch. So just watch your anger with that. It's just a kind of a PSA, okay? I, I don't like big banks, but at the same time, I, um, I defend them because they have a hard job. They have to break the bad news to people whenever other people let them down. And yeah, banks let you down too, but guess what? Other people let you down just as much. Uh, one other thing I just wanted to cover with stimulus checks as well. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of news stories like watch out for scams about getting your stimulus check faster. I mean, honestly, if you're intelligent enough to listen to this podcast, you're probably intelligent enough to know that, hey, what's too good to be true probably is with those coronavirus check scams. You know, don't no no one's gonna get you your money faster, not if you do this or that, or you share their information share your information with them. Do not do anything like that. But the one thing I wanted to get to was the people who do get paper stimulus checks. Um, I just saw an advertisement for First Convenience Bank inside Walmart. Uh, First Convenience Bank is a bank out of Texas. I think it's called First National Bank of Texas in Texas. Um, you know, they're very modern, I guess, in a sense, where they were the first bank to kind of promote ATM and online banking usage and even their... Teller windows have digital cameras to where they take a picture of you whenever you're doing a transaction. Um, their digital signage, when I went to Walmart today, by the way, going to Walmart on Easter is just as crazy as it is any other Easter. Um, I did see a sign saying, cash your stimulus check here for free. Um, their demographic is predominantly Hispanic. Um, it is Texas, Walmart, um, you know, a lot of older folks, a lot of Hispanic folks. Um, go into that bank. I trained a banker with Bank of America. Um, the last couple of years I was at Bank of America who came from a managerial background at that particular bank, First Convenience Bank. And um, he told me the demographic is totally different than the Bank of America one, you know, more older, more Mexican, more African-American. And um, those people tend to not want to do direct deposit, all, all of the above. Most people want paper checks, and I understand that, and I respect that. The very first check I ever got at Bank of America was a paper check because I didn't want direct deposit. It took me three weeks to get that paper check from Bank of America, so I became a direct deposit believer ever since. But um, seeing that warmed my heart because I know they're having a conversation with their tellers and their bankers saying, hey, we're not going to charge a fee to cash these stimulus checks. You know, if you go to Walmart, they probably will charge $3, which is within their rights. It just doesn't make it right, you know. Um, but the no fee for that is is cool. It's good. Yes, there's going to be a sales pitch. You know, someone's going to say, hey, now that you have that $1,200, why don't you set up an account with us? It's only a so-and-so minimum deposit, and you can get a debit card, and you can do this and that. That's part of the job, and it sucks. Sales, cross-sales are a horrible part of banking. It's a, sadly a way of life for most places. But, you know, the fact that they're advertising no check cashing fee and have it on signage is really important. 
do you freaking think Bank of America and Wells Fargo and Chase and City are going to have that? Hell freaking no. Most people don't realize this, and I'm just going to set it straight here. And I just know Bank of America and Wells Fargo personally. Chase and City are not in my state, so I just go by what others tell me and what I read. When you go into a Bank of America or Wells Fargo with a government check, a United States Treasury check, they are not supposed to charge you a service fee to negotiate the check. Okay, so $1,200, there should be no fee. Here's the problem with Bank of America. Wells Fargo, I've been told, is similar. Bank of America's check cashing system for U.S. Treasury checks has a different screen for the tellers than um, the average check cashing screen. So the teller has to drop down that it's a treasury check. They have to type in the, the routing number because the routing number is usually a bunch of zeros. It's like six zeros and then three, one, two. And then the account number is something very similar. And then they have to type in the check number. Then they have to type in the amount. Then they have to type in the fee. See, with payroll checks or personal Bank of America checks, the fee automatically comes out. It's grayed out. It can only be overridden by a manager, and even then, the manager gets chewed out by their manager if they override it. With uh, government checks, it doesn't get grayed out, so a teller has to manually enter in a fee amount. It defaults to zero, but I know that stupid training in their brain is going to say, charge these people $8, and there's going to be a lot of people on Twitter complaining about $8 check cashing fees for stimulus checks. Now, I know not a lot of you um, listen to this podcast who don't bank at all. It's very few, actually. I've actually looked at the demographics, and the majority of people who listen to my podcast are between 25 and 54, and it's about 55% male, 45% female. Um, And according to Spotify demographics, um, a lot of you make over $50,000 a year, so a lot of you won't be going through this. To the average person who doesn't have a lot of money, and doesn't really realize the rules or doesn't question the rules, some Bank of America or Wells Fargo teller is going to say, um, this is going to be a fee to cash this check. It's going to be an $8 fee. I just need your thumbprint on this check and two forms of ID. Now, if the person doesn't have two forms of ID, i got to defend the bank there. You should have two forms of ID uh, somehow. It's just, you know, debit cards and credit cards or ID, you know, work IDs, whatever. I mean, you have something. Most people do anyway. They charge that fee, man, and they break their own rules, and it's just because they're lazy and don't realize, hey, government checks mean no fees whatsoever. Um, to those of you who go through that, James at NotoriousBanker.com, 575-322-4127 on my voicemail line, or just DM me at Bank Better Guy. Let me know. I will rain holy hell on any bank of America, Wells Fargo, big bank, that will charge you a service fee to cash that government check. They are not supposed to. They can try to upsell you. And I'm fine with that in this case because it's an opportunity. And I know those people will get yelled at if they don't. So we'll talk about the reason why that sucks later. But my God, if they charge you a fee, especially if you decline to open an account, you let me know. If you have a friend or family member, just someone you see on Twitter, let me know. 
I will fight like hell. I will expose that branch. I will expose that branch manager. I will expose the branch manager's manager. I will find a way to make sure we pin it on them because that is not the way to do business, guys. This is a time of need, and $8 is freaking $8. For God's sakes, I went to Burger King a couple of weeks ago, and they're offering two free kids' meals with any purchase. I literally bought a dollar eight-piece chicken nuggets, and I got two kids' meals that I ate for dinner. I'll be perfectly blunt with you. It's not my proudest moment. But I got more nuggets. I got 12 more nuggets in those two kids' meals. I got two orders of fries. And I got some chocolate milk for home. They offered. And, you know, they had a coupon and they did it. But if someone's not trained at Burger King to realize that this deal's on the app, and they go, hey, you only got charged for this. We got to charge you $10.99 for it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, you know, stand for someone not knowing their job and not knowing their surroundings and their promotions and everything. And my God. My God, banks have to know rules verbatim in order to pass audits. So if they charge you $8, you come freaking find me, okay? Some things are just not right, you know. And when I was getting out with the Burger King Kids Meal deal, was some people are saying, hey, you know what, we're taking this as a loss. But we just want to make sure that people know that we're still open. And I understood and respected Burger King from that. I did take advantage of that deal, I'll be perfectly honest with you. But I, I'm glad that they did it because it's a way of saying, hey, just we're here. And we'll be here for you whenever we're back open again and everything's back to normal. Bank of America and Wells Fargo and all the big banks should take that opportunity to say, hey, you know what, um, let me give you my card. If you're ever interested in opening up an account, I'll be here. You don't have to do it now. You know, Pay your bills. Take care of your kids. But whenever it's time to open an account, come see me. My name is James Bach. I'd be glad to help you. Be contrite. Understand the person's needs who got that check because they went out of their way to get $1,200 of sorely needed money. And don't give them shit, excuse my language, for um, taking money out of your vault for a non-customer. Don't pull that crap with them. And I promise you, if you're heartfelt and you're genuine, that person will come back. I used to get those people coming back all the time because I was genuine. I worked for a very horrible bank, but people still came to me because they believed in me more than the bank. And I appreciated that. So to you bankers out there, if you listen to this and you're in the banking industry and you're in a position where someone may charge a fee for this check because they don't know the rules, you speak up and you speak out about it. Um, to those of you who have that happen to you or have have it happen to someone or whatever, let me know. JamesandNotoriousBanker.com. Uh, DM me, 575-322-4127. I will rain holy hell on them. We're all in this together, my friends. $1,200 at a time. Um, so... Be humble and grateful for the money. I know I am. Thank goodness for that. Pay your bills. Contemplate your next steps. Map out the next few months because it may be a few months before things get back to normal. It may be a few weeks. Who knows? But start to think about your finances and I feel you'll be more comfortable. And do not let banks give you crap. Period. End of story, guys. I'll be right back after these brief promotional considerations with a story about Jennifer from Arizona. We rescued nearly $2,000 with Vigilante customer service. A um, little bit of hard work on a Thursday night never hurt anyone, but it helped Jennifer. So um, I'll give you the story on that in a little bit, so please stick around. Hello, Wire Bank Sucks listeners. This is James, the Notorious Banker, inviting you to join me on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash notoriousbanker. For as little as $1 a month, you can support the Notorious Banker's fight against bad banking. What will your patronage do? 
You'll allow the notorious banker to continue fighting for tens of thousands of people who share their issues monthly with big banks on social media. I reach out and assist those bank customers myself. Big banks are ignoring customers, charging crazy unnecessary fees, and refusing to work with them. The notorious banker gives clients the tools to bank better and fight back. The Notorious Banker is a 13-year veteran of consumer banking with a knack for policy knowledge, fighting for your money, and helping your voice be heard at the highest levels of big banks when you're ignored. Yours truly has recovered over $550,000 since April 1st when it comes to unnecessary overdraft fees and monthly maintenance fees, claim reversals, and the like. With your Patreon membership, there are also opportunities to receive bonus podcasts and exclusive merchandise, but at least $1 can show amazing loyalty. Please donate today at patreon.com slash notoriousbanker and help support a banking revolution. All right, and I'm back. I just wanted to share another positive story about yours truly, James, the Notorious Banker's vigilante customer service. How we rescue money from big banks such as Bank of America and Wells Fargo. When I say rescue, I mean we rescue. Whenever someone gets a fee that they didn't deserve to get charged, whenever there's a fraud claim that is denied against a customer, even though there's overwhelming evidence to support that fraud did happen. Fee reversals or even check holds. One of the things Vigilante Customer Service does is whenever the bank says, well, we're just holding the check because it might be returned. And it's from like freaking McDonald's or something. That's ridiculous. You know, we do, we reach out to people at big banks and say, you know what? This is a freaking McDonald's check. This kid is trying to work his way through college and you're making his life miserable. We put the shame <laughs> we put shame um, on these bank execs, on these bankers, and we make them feel like crap. Because you know what? I've been made to feel like crap so many times over the years because of Bank of America. I used to feel that way, saying, hey, some some a-hole in customer service said something to this customer. They come into my bank mad and crying and frustrated. And I had to troubleshoot that, knowing that no one was going to help me. I was good at what I did, and you know what? There were so many people, including my own manager, said, James, you take too long with your customers. You know, you got to focus on sales. You're you're lagging behind today. You really should pass that person off to the 1-800 number. Meanwhile, the 1-800 number doesn't help them for a damn sight, uh, mainly because, hey, you know what? Most of the people who um, answer these phones and call centers aren't even from Bank of America. They're from third-party vendors in Arkansas, Alabama, Montana, you name, Utah is another one. Although there are Bank of Americas in Utah now. There's all these weird third-party vendors who don't give a shit about you. And you know what they do? They downplay your um, fraud. They downplay your story. They just, yeah, 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 it was you, whatever. They're bill collectors. These people are trained to collect bills. Not for just for Bank of America, but for other companies. And most of these people are call center lifers who, I'll be frank with you, and I don't mean this to to hurt their feelings. It's just a fact of life. And I come from a background where I'm the first person to graduate college in my family. Most of these people who work at call centers are high school dropouts. Or they got their GED. Or they, they went to some college but they weren't really college material. And their best job is $10 an hour. And I'm not saying that to denigrate them. It's just the reality of life that these are the jobs out there for people in in that situation. They don't get bank training. They get customer service training in the very minim, minimalist you know, thought of it. And... Um, Basically, they're held to one standard, and that's call length time. 
if they talk to someone for an hour and a half, they better pray to Jesus that their next few calls are two, three minutes long. Otherwise, they're going to get written up for taking too long because it's all about quality. And it's not about quality, excuse me. It's about quantity. It's about how many calls can you take, how many people can you get off these freaking phones. That's what call center life is about. And don't preach to me saying, hey, I don't know what I'm talking about because I never worked in call center. I had a girlfriend, now wife, a brother, a roommate, two roommates, and I've had hundreds of call center employees over 13 years of Bank of America, come to me to open accounts. There was a gigantic Apple call center that didn't call itself Apple right across the street from my bank. And they were churning people out in and out of that place because most of them came from the halfway house down the street. Most of these people were ex-cons who got hired by this shady company. I won't say the name of the company because my brother used to work for them. (laughs) My brother's a college graduate, by the way. And um, the shady company that would just hire these people out of prison they don't know a damn thing about how to troubleshoot iphones and ipads they'd get fired just as quick i'd open accounts for them somewhere in between and then there'd be more people they were just churning people out because they just weren't quality workers and all i gotta say is these call centers for bank of america have a lower standard than those ones that i dealt with every single day at work And like I said, these people were from the freaking halfway house, for God's sakes. Anyway, I want to talk about the success story, and I'll talk about it briefly here. Um, Of course, going through my daily Twitter rounds, um, especially to Jennifer, who may be listening to this, what I typically do is, every couple of hours, I'll search Bank of America or Wells Fargo on Twitter, and I'll just scroll through the latest posts. It seems like every 10 minutes there's someone that says F Bank of America or Bank of America sucks or Bank of America did this or Bank of America did that. Now you got to keep in mind there's probably 100 to 200 people a day that go through something like that and then they, they complain about it on Twitter. And that's just a drop in the bucket, man. There's 66 million customers at Bank of America. So I know that you know a couple of hundred on Twitter is more like 10,000 people throughout the course of a day. And I know a lot of those people aren't getting help. They just bite the bull and take their loss and take their lumps and move on with their life. Not Jennifer. <laughs> Jennifer was really boisterous on her post. And I mean that in the nicest way because you know when it's happening to you, You want the world to know, and you want them to help you, okay? Whenever you see, you know, like policemen at a a checkpoint, there's a DWI checkpoint, and I'm a total teetotaler, I don't drink anymore, you know, I'm going to go, ah, son of a bitch, there's a checkpoint DWI, ah, this is ridiculous, I wanted to get home, whatever. But if a drunk driver um, hits your car, officer, officer, help, 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 I need your help, whatever. That's what you feel on Twitter. You like you you want Bank of America to to talk to you. You want Bank of America to help you in a way that those people on the phone didn't help you. So here's the thing: Jennifer got charged nearly two thousand dollars. It was something like eighteen hundred dollars um, in fraudulent charges on her Bank of America debit card from Uber. Now I've used Uber before. Um, I live in a town that doesn't really doesn't really work with Uber. I'll just put it that way. It's a it's a big small town, so I don't really deal with Uber at all here. Although I know my brother has done Uber and Lyft, you know, among his various jobs over the course of his life over the years. So, you know, it's not practical. It's for long hauls and 
people who just need to get home from a night out at the bar and stuff like that. It's not a, hey, take me here, take me there, uh, city lifestyle type of thing like a New York or L.A. would have. So um, I'm familiar with Uber in the sense that when I'm in Vegas or in Denver, for instance, or even in Phoenix for that matter, I'll take an Uber here or there. So I'm, I'm familiar with the, the process of having to enroll an Uber, get a confirmation code and whatnot. Well, she checked her account and there's almost $2,000 in fraudulent charges on her card and she's just livid and upset. Who wouldn't be? That's a lot of money. That's... That's more. That's two and a half months worth of money for me in terms of bills and whatnot. So she calls Bank of America, files a claim. And this was a few weeks ago. Um, and throughout the course of the process, they say it could take up to 45 days, up to 60 days. There's really no hard date when they say that it's due. But whenever the day that they say that it's due, they typically decline you a day or two before the end of your window, if you will. So all of a sudden, she gets a declination notice. She calls up and she, you know, she says, hey, well, why did I get declined? What the hell is going on? Because she had heard nothing at that point. She didn't hear about, you know, sending documents or sending any potential research or anything for these charges. And basically the call center employee said, uh, well, you logged into your online banking too many times. And, okay, what the hell does that mean? I know people who check their online banking like 10 times a day, like, paranoid tinfoil hat type people i i just i just know this because i used to look at their stats i'm like damn you went on your online banking 400 times this month and i used to tell these people especially younger kids good for you good for you for looking at your account looking at your money because that's how you'll know you'll never um let something pass to you or whatever so i used to i used to give a high five to those people because i was really proud but bank of america actually used that logic against her saying hey you logged into your online banking too much Sometimes you just do it out of force of habit, and I don't know how much money she has, but even if she had, you know, $1,900 and now she has zero because of it, the fact that she logged in too many times, how many is too much? They didn't give us a number. They didn't give her a number and said, oh, you logged in four times, and that's three times too many. No, I mean, you can't put stuff like that because maybe you go, hey, it's a mistake. Let me log out and log back in. I'm going to check back in an hour. Something's up. So let me log out, and I'll check back in an hour and log back in. I don't know how many times she did it, but the fact that she did it too much, according to Bank of America, was the stupidest argument in the world. The reason why you call fraud and claims is because you go on your app and you check your app. They can't They can't um, identify, you know, if she got a confirmation text from Uber. Yeah, that's kind of the blind part for Bank of America, but... If anyone's used Uber knows, they send you a confirmation code and it's tied to your phone number. You just can't make fake accounts and then start charging up people's cards with a phone number. That you know, it's just it's impossible. It, it, there's a lot of things that you have to do in order for that to work. So one of two things happen: either they spoofed her phone, which is a possibility. I've seen it happen before, and apparently it's very easy for people to do that. I saw um, an article on Vice.com, and there was a Vice TV show a couple weeks ago. That showed that. Or they just got her card number. They knew someone knew that they were going on vacation or going somewhere. And they wanted to put a card on file to do all these various Uber rides. And she said to me, um, Jennifer did in her DM saying, Hey, basically, I know damn well that these rides weren't in the Phoenix area where she's from. And that's right. You know, most people that are townies in Phoenix don't necessarily use Uber. I know that from a lot of my friends in this general area. And then secondarily, 
Uber wasn't being helpful either with the customer service because Uber is going to say call Bank of America. Bank of America say that you talk to Uber and it's just this runaround stuff. And for quote privacy reasons, Uber is never going to tell you the destinations of these places. At least they didn't tell her. So she was stuck and she wasn't getting that information. And part of the process is you, you know, Bank of America say talk to Uber and they go, well, I did and they didn't give me anything. That should be their cue to step in and say, okay, let us take this over. And then Bank of America calls Uber and says, hey, you know what? We need to know what's going on with this particular card number, 1234. We had some allegedly fraudulent charges on there. We just need a script to show two things. Where were these these rides happening? And did they coincide with um, Jennifer using her online banking? So let's say they're in Denver, Colorado, these rides. March 11th. And then they go to hmm, March 11th at right around the same time, uh, the mobile app pinged Phoenix, Arizona. She can't be in Arizona and Colorado together at once. Could she theoretically lend her card to someone and have them drive around with their, with Uber rides in another city? Yeah, of course. But you don't make claims like that for that amount of money. And I've told you guys on this podcast before about the rule of 2000. Whenever fraud gets over two thousand, it gets kind of choppy. Like it's kind of a, it's kind of a red flag for the banks at that point to where um, the music stops at that point for crooks. But whenever you throw a number like eighteen hundred or nineteen hundred in there, it doesn't really red flag the account or the card because it just looks like a normal but crazy spending day. So nothing really happened, you know, to where a red flag did. They, the charges settled. I don't know if this person left a tip or not. We couldn't find any of that out. Um, but, you know, all of a sudden she has all these charges and she has a bank not willing to listen to her and denying the claim saying it's because she logged into her online banking. I mean, what logic is that? I check a lot of apps on my phone all the time, all the time, and I don't really, like, use them. Does that mean I'm guilty of uh, a crime just because I clicked a button? What if I butt dialed the button? You know what I mean? Who knows? But anyway, she was going through that. And, of course, she was just freaking out on Twitter. And I talked to her. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to try to get someone to to understand your your motives, your MO. You know, I, I get tired sometimes of talking about while well, I was an ex-bank manager and I see all this fraud happening, and I had to do something about it. I mean, I want to tell that story because I love that part of my story. But it's hard to gain that trust in a short amount of time with someone you've never met. And I know people are going to go to my profile page and look at all the stuff that I talk about and do and kind of see what I'm about at that point in time. But I try to make it a point, and and you guys know this from the podcast. I don't ask, I don't even ask for last names at that point. I say, just let me know the area that you're in. Let me know the closest branch to you. And I can kind of whip up a conversation to tell a bank manager about the story of you and what happened. And that's all I need. And she told me enough and we're able to talk um, late at night on Thursday um, about getting this money back. And just trying to just have conversation the way that I do as a banker. We're talking about coffee and we're talking about all this other stuff. And I understand she's upset. She wants to talk to the Better Business Bureau. She wants to talk to you know the media and all that. And I told her, I said, there's a time and a place for all that. Um, but you got to go through the normal channels first. Go through the normal stair steps. And then once you get to a point of no return, put them on blast. There was a dude in some 
Pacific Ocean neighboring city in California last week that I didn't get a chance to help. I, although I did reach out to him, but he reached out to a new station and he got back a $13,000 charge from Bank of America. And I was so proud of that because, you know, people know how to utilize the media whenever um, it hits the fan and the bank is just not helping and they're down to their last rope. Now, this dude wasn't really social media present, which is why he probably didn't see me. Otherwise, I would have done the same thing for him, but I'm glad he got the money anyways. Anyway, you know, she was freaking out about that. And I said, you know what? We're going to we're gonna reach out to someone. We're going to see what happens. And I guarantee you, especially now with coronavirus or anything, there's so much on their plate. They're just going to just want to forward it over to one of these liaisons that they have to get it fixed. And you know what? The people that are higher up, I mean, as crappy as a lot of them are, and a lot of them are crappy, a lot of them do have common sense, though. A lot of them are straightforward, and they know how to handle problems. They know how to handle adversity. A lot of people on the lower end of things don't know how to. That's why I say, oh, it was you because you went on the app too much. No, they look at things and say, hey, someone's saying that there's $2,000 of fraudulent charges. I'm in Phoenix, and these charges were not... They couldn't have been in Phoenix, and then the bank is blaming me for this stupid reason. They're practical people, and you get someone on a good day, then they're going to reach out to someone to help you, and then all of a sudden, just magically it appears. I've told the story of how I got my house from Bank of America after nearly being homeless in 2016. Everything was going downhill. I didn't have a place to live, and they blew my loan. They literally blew up my loan, and I literally thought I was not going to have anywhere to sleep. I thought I was going to sleep on someone's floor for a month or two while everything gets strained out. And then I complained. I I threatened to go to the media while working there. I said, if you don't do this, I'm going to freak out, and I'm going to escalate this way. And they were afraid of me then at the bank. Within 12 hours, I got a thumbs up, a green light saying my house can close. A week later, I got the keys. I knew that my I knew that my powers were good then, and they're even better now with my vigilante customer service. So I did my little my little trick, if you will, uh, for Jennifer. And within a couple of days, she DM'd me saying, "Hey, I got all my money back. Thank you so very much for helping me." And I gotta say, Jennifer, thank you for letting me know about that. Thank you for your trust. Thank you for allowing me to share my expertise with you and 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 talk talk you through it and you know god forbid something happens again with your account i know that you'll be um better off with the knowledge that you got from me but at the same time i'm going to be here in case something else does happen guys this happens a lot whenever you have fraudulent charges i'm not going to say hey call the bank right away they're going to be there for you they're going to fix them likely it's a 50 50 shot if you if you go to Starbucks every day and all of a sudden someone stole your card and then they made a $500 Starbucks gift card, you may have a hard time getting that back. That's the crappy thing about big banks is they're looking to mitigate losses and mitigate risk and they're going to find the easiest way to get out of something like that. And the easiest way is just to blame you. I mean, you know, I don't know what, you know, Jennifer's average balance in her account is. But whether it's $2 or $2 million, if it's towards the lower end of the threshold, they're going to be like, um, if we give her this money back, we may never earn this much money off of her ever again. So they have to see it as, a, is it worth worth our while business-wise to keep her as a customer? And a lot of the times it's no. Guys, don't let that be you, okay? My vigilante customer service is strong. 
I probably have about a 95% effectiveness rating. There's sometimes where it just doesn't hit at all. And I'm just going to blame the, the states in the Northeast, New York, New Jersey, uh, for that. There's been a couple of other states. Oh, well, Massachusetts was another one. Oh, my God, they're the worst. That just don't help my customers. And I, I'm sad to realize that. And hopefully when I become public, more public, um, that'll change. But I'm really glad I'm able to help these other people because I'm able to understand how bank managers work because I was one. I know how their superiors work because I had to report to one every day. So my vigilante customer service is based on one thing. My knowledge of the banking industry, my knowledge of Bank of America and Wells Fargo, more Bank of America though, and understanding that everyone has a boss Everyone has a contingency plan whenever things don't go right. And everyone has a way of escalating something whenever things just aren't right. And it wasn't right what happened to Jennifer, and I was glad to help. So again, Jennifer, thank you from the bottom of my heart for uh, listening to me, allowing me to help you, and allowing you to get your money back. It's your money. And Vigilante Customer Service is strong. Nearly $650,000 recovered from big banks back to my followers, back to bank customers. And I'm really thankful for that. I'm really thankful I can make a difference. If you guys like what I do, patreon.com slash notorious banker. Donate a dollar a month, guys. Two dollars a month will get you some bonus podcasts. Five dollars a month will get you the electronic version of my book coming soon. Uh, Fifteen dollars a month will get you a paperback book. And thirty-five dollars a month will get you a lifelong friend, among other things. I'm going to update the tiers on my Patreon soon, but at least $1, please do that. Please do that. That is so helpful to me. That allows me to stay afloat. That allows me to help other people. So if you're if you're one of those people who wants to be philanthropic, know that your couple of bucks will go a long way with my project because I will turn that couple of bucks into thousands for people who get screwed over by big banks. So, you know, whether it's a bank basically saying that you were too vigilant with your account in order for fraud to have happened to you. If it's a bank nearly stealing $2,000 from you because they just didn't want to help you and they didn't want to do the research. Whether it's a bank charging you an $8 fee for a check that's supposed to be free, especially during this time of a coronavirus pandemic. Or whether it is a bank... Basically saying we're not going to help you because you don't want to open an account here. And um, (laughs) just one more on here. Uh, Whether it's the IRS um, kind of throwing your bank under the bus saying that the checks are going to be there a couple of days earlier. And the Federal Reserve is a bank, IRS Federal Reserve. So I could say this here. If all those things happen, then probably that's why your bank sucks. My name is James, the Notorious Banker. Also known as James Baca. I'm going to drop the Baca because... Um, I don't want people to mess that up whenever I go public. So I'm just James, the notorious banker. After this brief promotional consideration, I'll be back to wrap it up. So please stick around. All right, guys, we are back once again. Patreon.com slash notorious banker. Donating at least a dollar now will help save thousands for other people and possibly yourself as well. Donate to me. Help support this small business. Help support this podcast. Help support this project become bigger than ever. I know that we have something here and we're going to continue to help people as much as we can with bank knowledge and vigilante customer service. 575-322-4127 is our voicemail line. Leave questions, comments, anything you want to on the voicemail line. I'd be happy to air it on the podcast if it is worthy of being on the podcast. 
uh, jamesandnotoriousbanker.com if you want to talk to me in private. Or, of course, DM me at bankbetterguy. Uh, got the book coming out, guys. Got the Notorious Banker podcast. I'm going to be talking about how to spend your stimulus on an upcoming podcast that's going to be uh, posted today. Uh, be on the lookout for another podcast in a few days. Of course, with breaking news with uh, the pandemic, it can be tomorrow. It can be three days from now. We'll see. Um, just be safe out there. Take care of your family. And watch your bank accounts, guys. I know it's easy to say, hey, I'm not spending money because I'm at home. It's actually a lot easier to spend money at home, especially when you're buying stuff online, especially when you're eating out all the freaking time. Watch your money. Watch your finances. And try to map out a game plan for the next couple of months. We're all in this together, and I know that you can be stronger financially as long as you pay attention. Don't let this be an opportunity to slack off in your finances, guys. Trust me on this. You know, 13 years of bank experience has taught me one thing. The the more, the more, less you look at your online banking, the more issues you have down the road. So that's my little knowledge to impart for today. Uh, but thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We'll see you in a few days or as breaking news warrants. Once again, my name is James, the Notorious Banker, and I just told you why your bank sucks. Talk to you soon, guys. Have a great day.